Welcome to the Food Movies Podcast. I'm your host, Paul. That's my friend, Jeremy. This is the podcast where we investigate the intersection between food and movies. We tell jokes, overthink things, go on tangents, and generally express our love of both food and movies. Jer, the hell's the movie this week? It's a it's an interesting film. Uh, mm. One that uh, I hadn't seen in years. Raging Bull. Raging Bull. Bull. Little De Niro action. Little De Niro, Pesci, Scorsese, the, you know, the trifecta. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This is the, the early, the early De Niro, Pesci, Scorsese, right? God bless these guys, man. They've been at it for so, I love a group that sticks together like this. They're just, know? yeah, they're, they're tight. Yeah, it's not just De Niro and Pesci and Scorsese. Paul Schrader, the writer, also wrote on Taxi Driver, also wrote um, a bunch of stuff for Scorsese. But, man, I watched this movie. And we, we often watch movies that are 10 years old, 15 years old, even 7 years old. Yeah. That just seem completely dated. Yeah. This one did not seem dated at all. This one was – this one seemed like a modern movie. It was it had pace. It had interesting ideas in it. Mess with the format, great editing, great sound, but I mean, it moved. It really moved fast. Yeah, I mean, I think like, look, you can tell that a lot of the practical effects—is that a word? Practical effects, like the it is, it is. The, yes, the, the, the blood. Yep. And the way it was shot, it was very stylized, and it felt to me almost as if it was making up for the fact that. The technology wasn't there yet, so Marty was kind of doing his thing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also was like, I have, I, to, like I'll be honest, I haven't seen this movie since I was very young, and and the context in which I saw it was I had watched Rocky or Rocky Four or one of the Rockies, and I was talking trash with a friend at you know on the schoolyard or whatever, and mm. Rocky is the best boxing movie ever made. And he, you know, my friend who's probably way ahead of his years was like, you have to watch Raging Bull because that's the best boxing movie ever made. And only because of the blood, the gore, the, you know, the way it, the way it was shot. Cause as a kid, they're not going to understand the backstory. They're just going to look at those boxing sequences and get like jacked up about that. Um, so I watched it and I was like, that was terrible. It wasn't as good as Rocky. <laughs> But then you watch it now as an adult with like a different appreciation for film. And yeah. like after also having seen Taxi Driver, which I think is an interesting movie that you, if you look at it in parallel to this movie, I, I get it more now. Mm-hmm. Like I get the style now because Scorsese went away from this after a while because but this is almost like Scorsese, classic Scorsese mixed with Woody Allen in a way. Just the way, the, yeah. the, the raw way that it's shot. It, it's, I don't know, you know more about movies than I do. But I'm just giving you my, like, idiot's guide to how how it looked and how it felt to me. Does, does that make right. sense to you? Yeah, it, it does. Absolutely. Um, Raging Bull. Uh, funny you mentioned Taxi Driver. That movie... I think that movie created or invented incels. That's the first incel movie. Interesting. I mean, you tell me. Uh, he wasn't stupping in that, was he? No, he tried to, but he sabotaged himself. He took uh, Sybil Shepherd to a porn theater. Oh, yeah. She, she was into him, and then he sabotaged himself like an idiot. He did. Yeah, the, the, the classic 
first date. The the romantic first date, a nice porn theater. Yeah, but you could tell, you could see how the psychology of the incel leads them down this road of mania to commit violence. It it's pretty much the story of every incel committing violence to this day. And yeah. Yeah. Look, I'm look almost modern day Nostradamus predicting the incel. Well, it was Paul Schrader who wrote the script, so I think Paul Schrader might have in, might have had incel tendencies um, at the time. I'm not sure. Interesting. Yeah, but um, what's well, like Catch? Course, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, Catch in the Rye you're mentioning. Yeah, that was the first incel novel, I guess. Yeah. So it it, it seems to follow that kind of shtick. If you want, to, yeah, the you alienated could, young man. Yeah, angry alienated young man. Oh, I like the chalice you got. With the, what is that? A martini? It's my martini. Yeah, I've got, dry January's over, so okay. I'm back to drinking on the pod. Don't demonetize. Right, this is this uh, three. This is uh, three This is water. Don't demonetize. Mm-hmm. Okay, no. But uh, one thing I loved about this movie was it had so much sophistication in the filmmaking techniques, mm-hmm. the camera angles, the way the camera moves, the editing. Scorsese does not get enough credit for how good of an editor or his how well his movies are edited yeah but it was one of those things where it had all this modern very reminiscent of french new wave modern techniques but the subject matter was this urban story of these very low working class people who are struggling and they're and it's crazy and they're all piled on top of each other and the intensity of the working class psychology of New York at that time, because I mean, these people are really on just just yelling at each other. There's 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 domestic violence. There's violence among friends. So it shows you a side of I guess society at that time. And but it's but it, it's sophisticated in the way it's filmed, though. So it's that yeah. that contrast of what you're seeing and the way you're seeing it, which is. I thought really well done and really smart by Scorsese to do that. Yeah. I mean, Scorsese really, like, funny I mentioned Woody Allen because Woody Allen does that from a different lens. He Mm. examines New York society from a different lens a lot of the time. But so does Scorsese, right? Like, they're both. Oh, yeah. They're the New York goats. Um, Yep. And and, uh, if you think there are a lot of characters, like we said, there's, there's Pesci. De Niro, uh, Schrader, uh, Frank Vincent, who is in yeah, Salvi. Every mob movie, no, you know what I mean. Like he's he's the dude in uh, Goodfellas, mm-hmm. where you get your shine box. Casino, Casino. Everybody. He's in Sopranos. He's he's like the mob guy. Frank Vincent's amazing. Uh, rest in peace, Frank Vincent. I believe he is dead. R.I.P. Yep. Um, but you know, these are like there's mob tendencies here like frank and his guys are clearly there's some connected thing because mm. they're throwing fights and they're doing that but also what i love about this movie that reminded me where i wanted to go with that um this movie doesn't it doesn't use a lot of exposition to tell you what's happening it lets you connect the dots for example that first woman he's with that de niro's with that it's just like Oil and vinegar. He's, and then all of a sudden he brings the other girl over and he's like, oh, she's gone. And it's like, they never tell you that they split. No, I know. They 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 just never, they don't, they let just let you figure that out. You, 
as the intelligent viewer to yeah. fill in the blanks. And I find in film these days, um, you know, not to keep harping on Burnt, but Burnt was a big kind of film that was like, wow, you've been away for 16 years and all this stuff has changed. And now let's continue with the story. This movie yeah. had none of that. No. And it, it's like, they didn't even tell you that. And this was something that I suspected. And maybe had I gone on the internet and read about it, I could have been told I was right or wrong. But like a lot of De Niro's behavior is clearly some sort of He's got brain pro like he's got he's been punched in the head too much. Oh yeah, he's clearly suffered. I mean, he's probably been through some kind of childhood trauma. He's grown up in a violent environment, yeah. and then he's getting punched in the face. CTE. Yes, he, he, there's something off about this. Guy. The way he the way he goes from like happy go lucky to complete sociopath in in just a, a snap. It, it, you know he's. He thinks Pesci's sleeping with his wife. He thinks, you know what I mean? And that's like, that was very subtle how Scorsese did that. Mm -hmm. But once you pick up on it, you're like, okay, I get it. Like this guy, he's either not very smart or he's got some problems. And they did it in another movie with uh, Russell Crowe. It was a Cinderella man. You ever see that? Mm -hmm. Boxing. They did that too, very subtly. Like I think that was borrowed. I feel like I've seen a lot of boxing movies that borrow from this boxing. Mm -hmm. Well, I I absolutely love boxing stories, like the historical boxing stories. I'm on YouTube. I'm watching stories about boxers all day long because the whole world of boxing fascinates me. It's just filled every care everyone in boxing, from the promoters to the managers to the trainers to the boxers themselves. They're all hilarious characters. Yeah, They all come from po- poverty. They all manage to sc- scrape their way up somehow. You know, the boxers, it's like, all I can do is punch and, and take punches. That's my only shot. I will do it. There are no rich kids or even middle class kids who become boxing champions. No, no. They, they get punched in the face a couple of times and they're like, there's easier ways to make money. I'm going to go be an accountant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So in order to be a champion boxer, you basically have to come from poverty and have no other recourse. Um, and then you get all these people around the, the trainers are often ex boxers who didn't make it. Something happened in their life that they weren't able to make it. So now they're training other kids, the managers, they're all crooks. They're all street guys, you know, promoters, they're all scumbags too. So the entire world of boxing just fascinates me. And there's a great book of short stories, million dollar baby, the the movie million dollar baby. Great. Uh, that, yeah, that was a short story in this short story collection called Rope Burns. Yeah. I recommend it to anyone who's interested in boxing because the, the short stories in this collection are amazing. They're amazing. Interesting. We're plugging uh, a book now. All right. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. just really enjoy it. There's, there's a story in there called The Black Jew, which I think you should uh, read because, you know, being Jewish and whatnot. But. So it was my nickname in prison, actually. Oh, damn. Cold. Real cold. <laughs> and we're canceled. Uh, (laughs) but um uh, i i actually did some boxing when i was younger and surprisingly enough i lost most of the ability to smell because i took so many punches to the nose it crushed my olfactory nerve can you taste i can taste yeah okay my 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 half brother has something i'm not going to get too deep into it i don't want to 
out my half brother as a good guy who got I don't know he's got something with his septum oh. and he he can't taste he's never been able to taste food in his life and then he had a surgery once and for like a week he could taste and then it went away again but oh his, no his his ex-wife was a professional chef how ironic kind of how ironic is that and i was talking to him about it i was talking to him about it recently and he's like yeah i don't uh, cuz i was i'm moving closer to him he actually lives in the area in which i'm going to be moving to and i said where do you get food he's like oh i just go to like no frills or whatever because i don't i like i don't spend money on food i can eat craft dinner or i can eat a steak and to me i can't taste the difference it's just a textural thing so he's the opposite of you. You love food. Oh, I love food. Yeah, and I and yeah. I and texture plays a part. Is one element to eating, but to him, eating is all about texture. So if a food is off texturally, like like sea like shellfish, shrimp, mm-hmm. it's a weird mm-hmm. texture. Um, he's just not he's he's not gonna bother. Like, but like a nice soft craft dinner, that's gonna go down smooth. That's gonna be get it in him, and then he can go on out. Uh. To, but he focuses on clothes. Like, he loves his clothes. And he's one of the most stylish dudes you'll ever meet. Wow. You're, you said this is your half-brother? My half-brother, yeah. Your family is like the Royal Tenenbaums. They're, it's, your it's, family is fascinating. It's an interesting... Yeah. One day, one day, maybe not. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it, the, the gross family tree grows sideways. It's a very interesting... Oh, okay. It's a very interesting... Uh, it's fascinating. All right, we, we don't have we don't have to get yeah. into it, but I, I will say it's very interesting. Um, I will say this though, I, um, in my experience in boxing and sparring, guys, yeah, nine out of ten guys out there, you hit them with a really solid shot, like you hit them cleanly. Nine out of ten guys will, at the very least, pause, like yeah, take a I, second I, to reset, or they'll take a step back. Yeah. But yeah. one out of ten, if you hit them cleanly, it's like you hit. It's like hitting a switch on them where they just come at you. Yeah. And it, I don't think it's a conscious thing. I think it's one of these things where their wires cross, and it, they're not even in control of it. And I think in this movie, Raging Bull, he's one of those guys that he's if you, that guy. If you catch him, his his instinct is to just come at you. Yeah. So. Well, so I I do some, you know, as like a middle class guy, I do some boxing for fitness like i don't fight we go we spar of course but you know we're putting on the giant head pad and you know we're not very good at it um but um the people that they pick for boxing like i think what was it the guy who was tyson's for early trainer customano oh i love customano yeah he's that guy he picked guys like tyson like he would go out and actively find guys like tyson because they are that guy. And yes. any fighting thing, I used to study uh, Bruce Lee's, when I lived in Asia, I studied Bruce Lee's Kung Fu, Jeet Kune Do. And mm-hmm. what he understood about fighting, and this is the interesting, this is why people who are in fighting train more than they fight, right? The fight lasts an hour. You're training a year for that one hour, right? Let's just, mm-hmm. I don't know the ratio, but is it becomes muscle memory you're not thinking and bruce lee always said don't think feel right he says in his movies all the time fighting should be an instinct it's not a it's not a okay this guy's punching me here so i 
because when you're getting punched in the face, you're not thinking. There's no, no right? So fighting needs to become a, it just needs to become a body reaction, right? And that's why yep. people like Mike Tyson, when you punch Mike Tyson, it just winds him up. Yeah. Like you mentioned Customato. I talked about how many fascinating characters are in boxing. Customato might be the most fascinating He's, guy in a yeah. world of boxing. I mean, um, if look at yeah. Rocky, that trainer who died in the third, who got killed by in Mick. the Yeah. He was yeah. a, he was a Customato knockoff, right? Like he's that, okay. he's that guy who everyone, ah, oh, you're a bum. You know, like, and Customano was like a little old dude and, but he was apparently like, from what I've read about, Ty, I'm fascinated by Mike Tyson, by the way. Like, okay. I think Mike Tyson is not only a fascinating human being, but pound for pound, the best boxer of all time. And everyone's going to argue with me on this, but. Mm-hmm. I and, I and it's also not very original to say Mike Tyson is the pound found best boxer of all time, but I just think he is. He's just for for a guy, he's the last electrifying heavyweight for me. Yes, absolutely. No, no one. He's the last charismatic electrifying heavyweight. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny because Customato's Mike Tyson learned Customato's peekaboo style. If you watch his style, it's almost a. Uh, well, it's it's almost a purely defensive style. It's it's yeah. very hard in, in his in his defensive um, posture. It's hard for him to attack. So he you have to throw a punch at him for him to slip and then come yeah. back. And he Customato basically invented that style. He he tried it with uh, he he perfected it over time. If you yeah. go back and watch, he his first champion was Floyd Patterson, another great heavyweight champion, great fighter. Yeah. But Floyd Patterson was doing more, more straight down bobbing, and then he refined it and started instead of doing straight down, he would go side to side bobbing. So, and apparently he, he he studied like martial arts and other things, and also there's a rumor going around that a lot of his the way he developed his style was by watching cats fight, and the way that yeah. cats kind of do this. That's you know, I have no idea yeah. if that's true or not, but uh, <laughs> but yeah. But Tyson needed a style where because he by he was a small heavyweight. Like oh, he yeah. was he was five ten. So yeah. he had to be the inside fighter. Like guys yeah. like guys like Evander Holyfield who were much taller than him. Um guys like Lennox Lewis. I that's the era I I kind of know when Tyson mm-hmm. was kind of on his decline. But Tyson would have to get in, right? And then he could he threw nasty hooks. While he was in there, and he had such fast hands for a heavyweight, but yeah. his hands were so fast, but like so powerful. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. a he's a fascinating fighter because he's not like if you look at like the Klitschkos, who are great heavyweight fighters in in their own right, and great mayor of Ukraine and and all that. Um, mm-hmm. But they're big, they're tall, they can sit back, take a more European style stance and really like just lay india that way whereas tyson tyson would that that straight jab tyson would then be already on you and you can't he's just a fascinating dude um and now he sells pot which is great god bless that man um yeah it's yeah we can do an entire podcast on mike tyson oh mike tyson come on the podcast please i could talk to you for hours oh we could absolutely love that um Another thing I wanted to mention, 
before we get into the food, by the way. We're going to eventually get into the food. Yeah. Another thing I want to mention is that uh, we, we already talked about the tracksuit incident at work and how right. that was one of my great performance art moments in life. Yeah. It contributed to you in a positive way. You became a tracksuit aficionado. It was a life-changing uh, moment. It was a revelation for me. Yeah. yeah. The other one that happened at Anderson was I got Mark Maristala, a young art director, into boxing, which he continues to do to this day. Dude, and if you watch him in he's his good. YouTube, he's yeah. not only good, but he's like, he looks... Now, I'm not like... I'm not Freddie Roach here, <laughs> mm. but for, I watch a lot of boxing and um, he's technically really, and it's funny because he adopted, a, there are different styles. I'm, I'm learning more and more about boxing now as I go, but there are different styles around the globe. Like a, a fighter from Latin, like South America has a different style. A fighter from the Philippines has a different style. And Mark is f- Filipino. Yep. And he fights almost like, I guess he watched Pacquiao or something coming up because he's got, for a big kid, he's not a small kid. He's got some quick hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and he is a Southpaw. Pacquiao's a Southpaw. So yeah. he's probably watching Southpaws. Pacquiao probably showed up. So yeah. shout out to Mark, Mer- the baby shark, Mark Miller. Mer- yeah, he's, a, le- he's a legend. He's a beaut- He did that Ad Wars thing where they box. I remember when he I, did that. I told him about that. I got yeah. him into that. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's a legend. Yeah, I'm so happy for him too. You know, I just really I enjoy adding things to people's lives, to whoever I can kind of bump into and be like, hey, you know what? You'd be a good boxer, or you know what? Tracksuits. I think that might be your thing. So, but it, it yeah. changed him because he was like, he wasn't the most in shape dude. No. But now you look at him and he's like built. Yeah. Like he's and, and, the, and it builds so much confidence too. Yeah. You know, it really does. Yeah, I would I would encourage any young man out there learn to box. Yeah, just for the confidence that it gives you. Pick you up know? a pick up a martial art. I've always mm. like there have been stages in my life where uh, when I was in high school I did judo. Uh, oh, and I wasn't I was terrible at it. Like oh. I'd come home I'd be like I won bronze, and they'd be like Oh, awesome! How many people are you competing against? Two other guys, <laughs> you know, like still one bronze, bro. Yeah, still, still counts. Still a winner. Um, yeah. But I had a lot of fun with it, and and a lot of it was because as a young dude, I, you know, you you get so much going on. You're aggressive. You're angry. You're, and it's just you go in, and even if you're not winning the fight, you're wrestling. Judo's all wrestling, right? Yep. So. Even if you're not winning, you're trying to win. Your your body is doing things because we're not meant to just sit here and podcast. We no, actually should. And I know I'm going a bit Joe Rogan here, but um, yeah. we need to like we need to be physical. Yeah, especially young men. Young men need to. Yeah. yeah. And then when I lived in Asia, I did uh, Jeet Kune Do, and uh, we would literally sit. And this was back when I smoked, and we would sit, and we sometimes we didn't have beers. And we'd smoke, and then we'd do some training, and and I'd, be, I'd always go to the instructor who trained on one of the few people that actually got to train under Bruce Lee. Um, he was like, "Whenever you get Jeet Kune Do is not about like form, it's about understanding how to fight, right? And so whenever you get into a fight, you're probably going to be drinking and smoking. So this is why I don't mind if you drink and smoke." Nice. Very, I like that attitude. Yeah. Very, very unassuming little Taiwanese fella. And he, shout out to Sammy, guys, my my hero, one of the greatest dudes I know. 
Um, you you'd see him walking around, and we there. He, his school was across the street from this bar, and he'd walk past the bar, and everyone knew who he is. And there would always be these like Taiwanese gangsters hanging around, and the bartender would always be like, "How much do you want to see them pick a fight with that old with Sammy?" And because Sammy would just, just like he was the most unassuming guy, but when he showed you something, he'd be like, "You have to get up in their face," and all of a sudden he'd be like, "Right there." And his fist would be like right in your face, uh, uh, the coolest guy. And then now, now I'm doing now I'm doing boxing and kickboxing, and I love it. It's I'm never happier when I'm not punching or kicking something. Oh, it's a good time. Yeah. It's a really good time. Yeah, really enjoy. It. I agree with you though. Everyone should do it. Yeah, yeah. It builds your confidence, gives you exercise. Uh, it, it it trains you mentally. It gives you mental toughness too. So it's really fun. recommend it. It's all fun. over the place. Yeah. Yeah, All right, absolutely. so we've we've spiraled down that road. We spiraled down that road. Um, did you, is there anything anything you'd like to say about the movie moving forward before we get into the food? There's not much, but we can get into it a little bit. No, I I, I wonder how, and this may be a, a a final thoughts thing, but I wonder how this movie would like as a film. Yes, it does totally resonates today. There are a lot of themes in this movie, uh, you know, domestic abuse, things like that that I wonder how they would be taken in today's environment. Not well. Not well. uh, Purport. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not sure, but it would be a very, uh, I think this movie today would be a very controversial film. Yes. I I will say that I really wish that Scorsese had made another boxing movie, but then again, if he did, everyone would compare it to Raging Bull. It would be almost... Yeah, because he made that movie with the ambulance with Nick Cage. I forget what it was called. Mm. Uh, bringing out the dead. He brought up bringing out the dead. That was a while. Which, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. But everyone was like, "Oh, you're just rehashing Taxi Driver. It's Taxi Driver by a different name." Even though it was a phenomenal movie, it got knocked down because everyone thought it was some kind of light rehash of Taxi Driver. So it's. I guess Scorsese really can't do another boxing movie at this point. I mean, Any, after Raging Bull, can you? I don't know. Because I think if he followed a different formula. Hmm. Right? Okay. Because he is a formula guy. He has a formula for the way he does movies. Uh, Wall Street, Goodfellas are exact matches in in their formulaic approach. Um, uh, this movie, to me, feels a lot like Taxi Driver. I think you're right. Like there are similar uh, elements to the way they are and the way they tell their story. Like they're driven by one character. You're always watching De Niro. It's almost like there's never a scene that De Niro isn't really in. Right. I know that's probably not true, but it it feels like you're always following De Niro in this movie. And in Taxi Driver, you were always kind of following De Niro in that movie. Um, Yes. Yeah. Sort of. It wasn't like single camera, but you know what I mean. Well, wish fulfillment. I'm just going to try to speak this into existence while we're talking about it. Scorsese, make a custom auto movie. That's what I want Scorsese to do. Make a custom auto movie. Biopic. That'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, could, I could see that. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's the end of the introduction. We should get into the yeah, food. the hell hell of an intro, hell of an intro, hell of an intro. Hell of an, well, we had to pad it a little bit because there's not a ton of food. There's in this. a couple of scenes here and there. Um, All right, I, I struggled to think of a recipe, so I might have to 
I might have to come up with do this one might actually need me to do a video recipe because uh I just none of the food was really uh, well let's get into it. Okay, all right. So we get into the movie right away we're thrown into the ring which uh Jake uh, Lamada he's taking a beating from who was he fighting? It was Sugar Ray Robinson? Yeah, he fights Sugar Ray Robinson a bit, a few times. Yeah, he fights Sugar Ray. I think they fight eight times in real life. They fight a lot yeah. Yeah. In, in actual real life. Takes a beating. Um, and then later on at minute 851, <laughs> this, this movie cracks me up, man. It's so funny. 851, Jake is sitting there and He's his wife is clearly mad at him for something that we are unaware of. She's giving him that look, yeah. you know, that that look where I'm mad at you and you need to acknowledge me. And he is saying, "Don't overcook the steak. Don't overcook the steak." She's cooking a steak in a frying pan. That's how I. And an argument ensues where she's like, they get into an argument over over the food, and he and he's saying how bad the food is. He burnt it, and she's saying, "Did you eat them? Did you eat them?" He's like, "I got no choice. I got no choice." And I'm like, "God." Damn, did P- this must be real? This things must happen because Scorsese lived in these tenements in New York. He probably saw characters like this. But uh, what are your thoughts on the "I got no choice" steak? Uh, I mean, look, that's how that's usually how I cook a steak. Oh, oh you start yelling at your significant other? Yeah, I yell at my wife, but I cook the steak. Um, sorry, camera got some technical difficulties there. But um, this is kind of where I was thinking, like maybe this could be our recipe. Is like. I want to explain how to cook a steak. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I'm for that. Yeah. Because it's funny. You said that you're like, yeah, she cooks it in a frying pan. And arguably the best way to cook a steak, unless you're going to get fancy and use sous vide or something like that. Um, the basic way I used to cook steaks all the time is I'd get a cast iron, like a skillet or a, a stainless steel frying pan. And I, I wish I could bring it up and show you my stainless steel frying pan is like, black because i use it to cook steaks um because the the steak adheres to it it gets that caramelization it also has a metal handle so basically you sear it on both sides really hot and then toss it in the oven um to finish and you always get like just juicy steak and then uh, it translates to other meats like you could do a chicken breast like that you can do a bunch of other things like that salmon um and you you can you don't have to be forgiving. You could just go hard, and you can have a steak in fifteen twenty minutes. And it's always good every time. Okay. Nice. Um, so that might be something as we go through. I may think of something better, but um, I think that's a that's a very classic New York scene. Like they do it in The Sopranos too. Sometimes they're cooking something and they have a fight, and she throws the pot roast at the guy or something. Like it's it's. Or uh, this one scene in The Sopranos that I do remember is Tony's sister's cooking for Richie April, her first love interest, and she, you know, he says something, and then they get in a fight, and she shoots him. Oh my god! Like I remember that. I do remember that scene. Yeah. A lot of domestic violence happens around the cooking of, and it usually is a steak. There's something manly about coming home to my wife just cooking me up a nice steak. Like that's a nineteen. 50s, 60s, New York guy, you know, lower class. It's a nice night to have a piece of meat. Usually it's shoe leather. Uh, <laughs> you know, like. It's, it's, it's some caveman stuff when you get that steak, you know. It's like 
this guy is a boxer. He's a savage. Of course, he's going to eat a steak. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like a great cut. Like she puts it on his plate, and it's kind of like it's not your ribeye. It's not your New York strip. That thing was kind of maybe who knows, like a flank steak or something like that. Like whatever. And she birthed she birthed to a crisp too. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's just not great. I would be upset too if someone burnt my steak to a crisp. You're I'm not a upset. you're not a steak guy. We we've been down we've been down this road. Yeah, you're, I'm not, but if I'm gonna eat one, I want it done right. Like the way you say, you know, pink in the middle, seared off on both sides. Don't burn my steak. I don't want to eat a belt. Do you yeah. like it raw or rare? Yeah, I like it rare. Yeah. Rare. Okay. Or oh, med- yeah. medium rare, rare. Yeah, that's the way you're supposed to go. Pink inside, right? That's that's how it's supposed to be. So pink <laughs> Pink on the oh. inside is uh, is medium. Oh, sorry, bloody in the in the middle. Bloody uh, and almost like a good medium rare steak, in my opinion, should be pink. But like when you get right to that middle point, depending on the gauge of the steak, the thickness, it should yeah. almost still be kind of raw in the in the very. That's middle. what I like. That's yeah. how I like it. Yeah. Medi- yeah. So medium rare, and I don't get into. It's like you with your rating, like a five point five. I can't do. We're not allowed. I don't th- now. If you go to a steakhouse, you can be like, I'll have medium rare plus. Which apparently, if I were a chef, I'd be like, yeah, medium rare plus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, get out of my restaurant. We don't uh, want your business. Yeah. 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 I d- I don't. It's either rare, medium rare, medium, anything after medium. Look. If you like your steak well done, if that's how come you, on, who if, likes their steak? That's ridiculous. I don't know. I've, ridiculous. I've 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 never seen it, but I've heard. Why of, would someone buy a steak if they're going to get it well done? Why just have a hamburger? There time? are ways to cook a steak well done that it's still juicy. There are ways Is to there, do though? it. Is there? Yeah. Oh, I could do it for you. I could do it for you with using sous vide, using okay. te- using technology. Yes, there are ways to do it. Do you yeah. do you want to? Do you do you have a sous vide machine at home? I do. Yeah, I, I use. Do you use it for your steaks? Uh yeah, I use it for steak. Um, I don't need to because I can do it just as well either way. It's easier. And when mm-hmm. I cook steaks, you know, my wife and I have steak maybe once every two months. I love cook. I prefer to cook steak. I'll go to a nice steakhouse, but I get annoyed because it's like spending $300 for something that I can get for 30. Right. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense to me. And they always put too much salt on it too. I feel. Yeah. Well, steak can take a beating. Like you can put a it, lot it can, of yeah, salt. Yeah. Yeah. But they, I feel like they put on way too much salt and butter. Okay. You need those. You definitely need them, but I think they go a little overboard because I think people at a restaurant, they overindulge. Yeah, let's put them a bunch of salt and butter on it. But Yeah. And also, butter, go unsalted with your butter when you're cooking a steak. Always use a lot of butter. You baste it in the pan with the butter? Or if I'm, if I'm sous videing, I'll literally put like three pads of butter in with the steak. Oh. Because when you okay. cook, when you cook a steak... What, what, hold on. What goes in the sous vide bag when you do the sous vide steak? Uh, butter, butter. butter and garlic. I don't season butter it. Butter and garlic. Okay. No rosemary. Se- yeah, if you, you could. I don't. Okay. I find I don't taste. I'm a former smoker, so I don't taste that. I won't okay. never, I won't never taste. Um, some guys love that and swear by the butter base with the rosemary. And that's fine. Rosemary is good. But a steak in a sous vide bag, uh, or sorry, where was I? I lost my uh, 
Yeah, that's where we were steak and a sous vide bag. I yeah. asked you what you put in the sous vide bag. Yeah, just garlic, butter. Don't don't salt it. You, you can after you pull it out of the bag, you can salt the hell out of it. Um, pepper, a lot of pepper, but pepper after you've seared because pepper mm. burns hard and fast. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot of little intricacies to cooking steak, but once you know how to do it, it's the easiest thing to cook. Do you? Uh, do you take your steak out to rest before you cook it? Do you take so it if you, and if let you it rest sous, for a while? If you sous vide a steak, you don't have to rest it. Oh, sorry. That's right. We're going sous vide. Here. Um, but if you do it hot and fast, yeah. like, there are three ways I know how to do it. There's sous vide, reverse sear, which is actually kind of a different way of sous vide. Like you cook it very low and slow in the oven for a bit and let it kind of come up to the temperature it needs to. And then you quick sear it. Or you put it in the bath and you do it the same way with sous vide mm-hmm. and then you sear it. Um, what a, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what about aging? Do you, are you, do you indulge in aged steak? If I'm out, if I'm out. Yeah. I've had one that's been like super aged and it was, it was good, but it was like, it was weird. It wasn't as satisfying to me. Oh, okay. But I, we once went to Jake, my wife and I went to Jacob and Co for a special, that's like a pretty bougie steakhouse in toronto um and they were like do you want to try the i get a new york strip i'm a new york strip guy i like it because it, it's a harder steak a ribeye is a great steak a ribeye is the cadillac of steaks the new york strip is not as good as a ribeye but it's harder to cook if you can cook a good mm. ribeye to me you know how to because ribeye can go dry on you in an instant uh, or sorry, a New York strip can go drying in an instant. A ribeye's got a lot of marble fat within it, so it stays moist. It's easier to cook for me. Okay, like the challenge. Oh, so you like? Do you like the easier? I to like. Cook or the I I like a New York strip because there's less fat within the meat. Okay. Harder to cook, and if you do it right, it's it's a more I don't know. It's just a more beefy steak. Okay, and what are you going as far as sides go? Mashed potatoes. Straight up garlic mashed. Um. Garlic mash, whatever kind of mash, any mash. Because I need to have, I cut a strip of the steak, scoop the mashed potatoes on, and then cream spinach. Cream spinach. Cream spinach. Interesting. Okay. Always. I didn't know that. Always. My wife gets mad at me because when we go to a steakhouse, I'm predictable. Starter's always shrimp cocktail. Okay. Love a shrimp Solid. Cocktail. Very solid, yeah. It's like a very... 70s appetizer. I mean, this whole thing sounds like you, you're, oh, yeah. you know, one of those guys from Anchorman going to get a, you know, start yeah. off with a shrimp cocktail, steak. After that, we're going to smoke a dozen cigarettes and go find a hooker, like whatever, all those yeah. 70s stuff. Yeah. Kill a drifter, whatever you kill need. A, kill a drifter. Yeah. yeah. All those things. Um, all right. That's, that's, that sounds good, man. That's, that whole steak situation sounds really good. I really should expand my steak. Uh, palate, I feel like at this stage in life, I've been avoiding it for a while, but we'll see. We'll ne- see. Next time you're you're in Toronto, you come by. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll we'll play around with it. We'll we'll have some fun. Uh, have you ever had steak poivre, French, no. with the no. pepper, the pepper cognac sauce? You can no. light it on fire. It's a good time. Um, no. Yeah, we. I mean, there's plenty of ways to eat a steak. Chicken fried steak, which I've heard is supposed to be, you know, several thousand calories, but looks incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
anytime you eat a steak, it's sitting in your colon for a couple weeks. Right. You get it, you basically have a guest inside you for a couple yeah. of weeks. So still delicious though. Still delicious. It's great. Um yeah, steak. We gotta do a whole episode on steak. Maybe do We need to find like a good steak movie. Uh I don't think I know of any. Uh, well, yeah, but- people who one of our six uh, viewers, tell us a steak movie down below. Scorsese, uh, if you want to go Scorsese, great steak scene in the movie. Uh, what was the Daniel Day-Lewis, Leo, where the Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York, yeah. He literally like takes a piece of meat, puts it on something hot for a second, and then just eats it raw. Oh, That's a great scene. <laughs> great scene. Oh, what a savage. Ah. <sighs> I don't want Scorsese to die, man. I, I just, I just want him to keep making movies forever. I, just, I don't want him to die. He's one of him, Spielberg. These guys are legends, and they're get they they continue to get better as they as they get older too. Directing is one of those things where you just get better as you get older. So, but also, it's, I think a lot of that is is like you keep giving these guys new ways to do things. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell on Raging Bull, Scorsese had a reel to reel camera, and he was like. All right, I got to make magic with this. Yeah. And so it's a very tight, personal, macroscopic story. But then now you see, you go to revert to Gangs of New York or revert to one of his more recent movies. And it's, it's like you're shooting digital. You shoot, I don't know if he's one of these, I don't shoot digital guys, but, um, well, he did all the de aging on the Irishman. Right, the right, right. And, all these and he could just play with this stuff. And, and in this movie, the, the makeup with De Niro. How like when he was young versus when he had uh, Joey Mata's or whatever the bar was called yeah. when he was older than he almost looked like middle young James Caan. Yeah, with yeah. that like, and punch. he got and he got fat. They yeah. let him go off and eat a bunch, and then shot his uh, scenes where he was actually fat. Yeah. So, man, I think he was the first person to do that. Really go method, and everyone in the seventies was like, "Oh my god, we got it!" Like all those really. Uh, egotistical actors and vain actors were like, I gotta get fat now for a role. Is that how I get an Oscar? Like, god damn, I don't want to do that. But it's also funny, the the it is very method, especially in this context, because fighters and boxers are always doing that, yeah, to to get to make weight, right? You know, Roberto Duran was famous for getting very fat after he would after he would fight, yeah. yeah. You ever see a movie called The Great White Hype? Oh, Wayans, Damon Wayans. Yeah, Damon Wayans was a like a pro uh, boxer, and then yeah. they were like, "We need to find you." And they were that movie was that movie was a great spoof or or a lampoon, as you as you will, of the boxing industry because the guy was like Don King, and yeah. and and then they brought in the the like white Irish guy to fight him, and he gets and he's just like, I don't even need to train to fight this guy. He just gets the gut. <laughs> And then at the end, you're like, this white guy's going to beat the crap out of Wayne's. He's no, and he just like, spoiler alert, if you don't want to watch the great white hype, he just like knocks him out in one punch. Yeah. Peter Berg was the great white hype. The guy who ended up directing a bunch of movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Peter Berg. Ah, Great movie. Yeah. yeah, And also the lady who plays his wife cooking the steak in this, how she's kind of hysterical and like, you watch a steak, you watch it. Reminded me very much of the lady on SNL who does the boxer's wife character. Yeah. I forget, I forget her name. Um, 
Oh, but she, that that's I think this may have started the whole hysterical boxer's wife trope might have started with this one. It is Either this or Adrian from Rocky. I'm not sure, but yeah. It was one of the two, but it is a trope, right? This movie, oh, yeah. if you it's funny because it, it was the almost the birth of a genre, right? And we're, mm-hmm. I don't know of many, you know, maybe you do being a film guy, but um this kind of started boxing movies for me at least is the earliest known evidence of a boxing film for me. Um and it had that like and then that wife trope appears in other things. Like you're never gonna make it. Like in mu- like yeah. music in in mu- movies where it's a mu- um, the Johnny Cash movie or you know one of the walking the lo- walk the line. And then they mm-hmm. made fun of it in Walk Hard. Like you're, ne- oh, you're never gonna amount to nothing, Dewey. <laughs> and then they oh, find man. the they find the other woman. They do- yeah, the one who believes in them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think also De Niro's character is a bit of a trope. Um, I so, think he may have become a trope, but I think at the time, oh, not in this movie, but it becomes a trope, right? It's the yeah, the guy with a dream, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and everyone's he, he trying to a, hold him back. He has a bit of a spiritual connection to Brando's character and on the waterfront. Kind of just, just like a working class guy. Like, because Brando in the movie on the waterfront, he was a boxer and right. he took a dive and it ruined his career. And now he's on the waterfront working the docks. Right. And that's, there's that whole speech of, you know, I could have been a contender. You should have looked out for me, all that stuff. So yeah. that's a famous. I, yeah. Yeah. So boxing has been one of these things that has been known to be one of the very few ways that people in the lowest rungs of society have been able to actually climb up a little bit. And you see it in America. The first boxers were Irish and Jewish. They were on the lowest rungs of the economic ladder. And then now, as as time has gone on, it became more Mexican and African-American boxers. Yeah. And then you see Eastern European boxers coming out now, Russian boxers. Yeah. But they're always... The Klitschkos are the only boxers I know who actually were middle class, and they ended up becoming champions. Yeah, but they were like probably... From some USSR genetic breeding athlete program, you know oh, what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, they, probably, for sure. You look at yeah. those two guys, and they're just animals. Like they're, yeah, they're smart. They're super clever. They're huge. It's like Yao Ming. <laughs> yeah, I think both Klitschko's have at least master's degree and possibly PhDs. They're yeah, both university educated. Yeah, they guys. were they were just bred. They were probably part of some super soldier program that got scrapped. After right. after the the U.S. the Soviet Union collapsed, yeah, and then they're and then now they're just superhumans. Yeah, they don't even realize why they're just like yeah. Maybe I'll try boxing. Oh, I'm really good at this. Maybe I'll become a math professor. Oh, I'm good at this too. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. and they don't even realize that they're actually genetically bred for this kind of stuff. Damn, why couldn't I be that? Yeah. Oh. Would how much do you think it would take to get the Klitschkos to fight each other? Two brothers. They never did, huh? I don't think any brothers have ever fought each other. At this point, it's not worth watching. Um, there was no. a whole thing about it. Like, when are you guys going to fight? When you... Vitaly, I... what's the other one's name? There's Vitaly. Vladimir and Vitaly. Val... Vladimir and Vitaly. I forget which one would have won. Vitaly. Like, one I of them believe... was better than the other. Yeah, I believe Vitaly was the one yeah. who who almost beat Lennox Lewis and then became the lineal champion. Right. Lennox um, Lewis, there was another great fighter. But there are two twin brothers 
who are superstars in boxing right now, the Charlo brothers. Right. Yeah. But what weight division yeah. are they? The Charlos, they're they're in a they're in a lighter division. I believe they're in like the one sixties. Let me no. take a look here. So boxing but, is boxing's dying because one, everyone feels it's rigged. Well, most of the time it is. And two, yeah. there are no electrifying heavyweights. No. Well, Tyson Fury, I think, is electrifying. Ah. No, sorry, Tyson Fury and um the other dude, the American guy. Jake uh, Jake Paul? <laughs> no, not Jake Paul. Punchable face, but he, not, not Jake Paul. He's doing a lot for the sport, except for the fact that he's not good at it. Well, he's picking guys he can beat. He's picking yeah. guys that he's taller than and he's bigger than who yeah. are not straight up boxers. They're UFC guys mostly. Yeah. Did he fight so the, did, did he fight Conor McGregor? No, no. No. Conor McGregor recently has announced his UFC comeback fight versus Michael Chandler. So that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if Conor McGregor. Oh, yeah. No, Conor McGregor fought uh, Floyd Mayweather. He went over to boxing. Yes. Yeah, that ton of money. That was like the great white hype for me. That was what that was. Conor McGregor is an absolute. So people should study this guy. He's he's amazing. Yeah, because the fight game is known to create tragic characters. These great fighters, these great men who end up destitute. Yeah, Conor McGregor was playing three dimensional chess in the fight game. Yeah, he's like, okay, I'm going to conquer UFC. He did that. And then he says, okay, I'm going to fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing match. And while I do that, at every at the entire press tour, which is getting millions of eyeballs too, I'm going to have my own whiskey brand right here. His whiskey's good. He doesn't and own it anymore. But it's, well, he sold it for a couple hundred million dollars. It's so fantastic whiskey. Proper 12. Within it, yeah, within the course of about three years, he went from a contender in the UFC to multi-millionaire whiskey baron and then just dipped he's like i gotta fight anymore i got all this money and yeah it was an incredible chess chess game that he played with the entire fight game and how he created the wealth for himself yeah but he created a character like that's what he did right like he basically said i'm either going to be a i'm either gonna have to punch my way to the top of ufc or i can become a polarizing dude yeah, right? absolutely. Like, take, and, and he also had all these Irish guys. He was very ethnic about, you know, yeah, a lot of ethnic. Pro-Ireland. And yeah. then anytime that happens, you get all the U2 guys woo, with their flags. Like the Irish guys are half the people that are pro, like super proud to be Irish aren't even Irish. No, I kind of want to be Irish personally. Yeah. Well, cool. It's like, oh, you're 15th generation Irish and you live in New York. You're not Irish, man. Like you're. Yeah. You're all kinds of things. <laughs> I, Irish is one of those ethnicities where people love to tell you that they're Irish. Yeah. The, uh, Irish, Italian. You're proud to be Irish. A, yeah. There's a couple of them out there where well, they really love talking about it. It's the, the, the original three. Like Jewish is less so because the Jew- You guys are the opposite. You don't guys, you don't want anyone. You don't brag about being Jewish. Well, no one I know the ones about being The Jewish. ones that feel safe do. Oh, like, really? Me in Canada, I feel very safe. I'm okay. not- I'm not being, I mean, look, there's anti-Semitism and I'm sure people, you know, I'm sure people don't like me or whatever. I, who cares? Um, mm-hmm. But if I were in Europe or if I were living in Israel or, you know, yeah, there, you, it, there's still some safety issues with being Jewish. But 
early on, there were the Irish, the Jews, and the Italians, and the some, you know, the Polish, and they all came over, and yep. uh, and they they all kind of worked together, fought together. The gangs of New York story, and and the Italians and the Irish now have kind of they're white Europeans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they went through their stuff. Like the mafia happened because of the, like they built themselves up over time. They were discriminated against. Oh yeah. Being right. Irish was considered to be very, very just basically the same as being black at the time. You know, they were, and, there and were signs that said no Irish, no black. Yeah. And no Jews, stores. no Irish, no black, no dogs, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah. like that was a historical thing. And yeah. uh, for some, some, I guess, you know, because, they're not v- visually different. Like mm-hmm. I, you couldn't tell me I was Irish or Jewish, right? No, I, I have no idea. Right. Yeah. So, visible minority versus other type of minority, religious minority. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, we got a lot of that stuff. Yeah, we we, we went oh, deep. Gosh. We went deep there. We're gonna get canceled. We for, we're gonna get canceled for sure. Uh, it's funny though because that steak scene, Joe Pesci's character comes in, uh, Joey, and uh, Jake is lament- he he just had this inc- huge blowout argument with his wife. Then he sits down very calmly. He's talking to jo- Joe Pesci's character. He's like, "My hands, my hands are too small. I'm never going to be a champ. I can't hit with these hands." You know what I mean? It's like, man, these these are really specific worries this man has, you know? And and you can see his temperament. He can go from just a blood argument to just be like, this is just normal. This is what we do. Yeah. I'm going to have a fight with my wife. I'm going to sit down with this guy and be like, talk about my hands. And then I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to convince him to punch me by wrapping his hands up in a a, a, a napkin and punching him in the face for no reason. It really takes you into the psychology of this guy. I mean, it's it's just something incredible. Yeah, I think De Niro played this very well. Yes, yes, because I know guys like this do exist. Yeah. There, there are some just wild dudes out there who are like this. I'm sure there are far fewer now than there oh, yeah. were back in back in the day. But yeah. I've met guys like this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of them a lot of the guys like this I've met, you know interesting uh tidbit a lot of the guys i met in my life that are like de niro is they're not alive anymore no they don't last these guys do not last no (laughs) they usually end up in jail or dead or something like that yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's crazy yeah um minute 44 if the steak argument wasn't hilarious enough the coffee argument the (laughs) coffee did you see that yeah. He's De Niro's sitting at the table. He's talking to Joe and he'll just be and during the conversation and be like, So what are we gonna do about this fight? Honey, can I have coffee, please? And like two seconds will go by, honey, coffee, please. How long I gotta wait? You know, he's, he's basically asked for coffee, and then in seven seconds he's already too frustrated that he hasn't got his coffee yet. I I just thought this was a funny, funny ass scene. Yeah. Do you are you, you're a tea guy. Do you drink coffee? Not unless I have to stay up or keep myself up. No, not really. Do you Are drink you into the coffee? I have one a day. Um, okay. Do you drink espresso? No, no. It always scared me. I always thought, my God, that's like some concentrated grade A coffee right there. So if I'm going out after dinner, like if I'm out for dinner and I know I'm, I got to keep going, like I'm not going home and going to bed and sleeping it off, 
the dinner, not whatever else, um, then it's an espresso because that keeps you going like that. It's a jolt. It gets you to the next place where then you can figure out where you're going. But yeah, espresso is, uh, that's my jam. How many packs of sugar are in there? I, I just put one, like I put a little sugar. I like the taste of espresso. Like I like the bitter. Mm-hmm. That's a good flavor for me. Like it's just like uh, radicchio or any of these uh, bitter uh, cabbages and stuff like that. I like that flavor. Mm-hmm. So so barely a little sugar. I like a little sweet, but I don't okay. want to mask the bitter too much. Pinky out or pinky tucked Always in? out. Always Miles. out. Yes. Miles out. Goddamn right. One hour, 13 minutes in, Jake and Joey eating out of Chinese takeout boxes. Once again, the Chinese takeout boxes have appeared in a movie, which they appear several times. And we are sticking with our assertion that they do not exist in real life. They are purely a fabrication of movie, the movie universe. Do you still believe that? The only time, and now I was like thinking, because when I saw these takeout boxes with the fold-up thing. I was mm-hmm. like, I have to think of where I saw them. And you remember when we were at Anderson? Yeah. And we were across the street, there was a food court. Mm-hmm. And you go underneath the Hudson's Bay, and there was that food court, and they had a Thai, I think it was like a, Thai, a fast food Thai restaurant, and they would throw their thing into one of those. Oh, we should have. Was, taking a picture or something but it was made because of hollywood movies okay right the movie spawned the takeout box not the other way around yeah this is like thai express or one of those panda express no not panda express oh thai express it was like a thai one yeah 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 Yeah. okay and i rarely ate there yeah that was a terrible food court there was not much stuff in that food court that was good (laughs) i usually got the the Shopping mall sushi in the little sushi spot. Getting back to the movie. Yeah. One hour, 31 minutes in. In a rage, Jake feels that his brother Joey is stooping his wife. Yeah. She finally acquiesced because she's tired of hearing about it. She says, fine, I did it. I sh- whatever. And so he goes over to his brother Joey's house. Joey, his entire family is sitting around the di- dining table. And ironically... Joe is threatening his own son that if he doesn't eat the pasta, he's going to give him a beating. And Mm. right when he says that, Jake barges in and gives Joey a beating. So kind of the snake eating its own tail there, if you will, the inception of beatings. Yeah. And that was a hard scene. because, And you know what? This scene is, is ahead of its time because people who do get punched in the head can become very violent. And, Mm -hmm. um, and violence is their trade. So what scares me about that is Pesci's not a violent guy. He's the brother of a violent guy. So could you imagine a professionally trained, like a Mike Tyson, coming at you with intent to hurt? Like, I'd be like, I'm oh. dead. I'm dead now. This is... It'd be terrifying. It'd this be is the terrifying. end of me. Yeah. Right? Like, that's a terrifying oh. ordeal. And he he lays into him. Like, he doesn't hold back. Like, he punches... And that's the end of their relationship until that weird moment near the end of the movie. But um, let's do this. Let's do yeah. a, let's do a pasta. Okay, let's do a pasta. I will do. I don't know what the heck they were eating there. It looked 
Like a it sun. looked possibly like a baked ziti. I don't know. It looked well. Then that, then let's do a baked ziti. Okay, that that sounds delicious to I'll me. I'll throw down. I'll throw down my my classic baked ziti recipe. Uh, in the I'll send that shortly. Oh, that sounds that sounds awesome. I would love a. I love any kind of pasta that's baked. A baked, pasta in general. Baked pasta is fantastic. The baked ziti. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, those ca- the cannelloni with the stuffed. Oh man, I can't. I, I that's like beyond my skill level. Uh, yeah. You probably give, give me an hour. I can figure it out. But um, yeah, baked ziti is my favorite. Tremendous! I can't wait to see that. All right, let's that do recipe. that. Let's that do looks it. incredible. Um, so, do you have any, any thoughts on the scene of interrupting dinner to give his brother a beating? That um, was just a hard scene to watch, and beating a man. To watch. There used to yeah. be a rule when I was coming up in Toronto. You would never, if a guy was out with his girlfriend or a lady, you'd never, people just wouldn't fight with you. If you, because beating up a dude in front of his family or his, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's a yeah. very, it's a very old school notion. Uh, probably doesn't hold up to this day, but people, if a dude was out on a date, you didn't, you didn't mess with him. And you shouldn't. You really shouldn't. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's yeah. not cool. You don't like that guy. Wait till he's alone. Yeah. Wait till. Also, he... why are you going out looking for fights too? Like, let's come on, man. Let's let's all be cool here. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that I would wait for somebody because I didn't beat anybody up. Right. Um, I would just if I was out on a date and I saw people that looked tough, I'd be like, well, they're not going to mess with me. I'm out on a date. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. Like when when I do when I am with a lady, uh, the few times that. I've been with a lady. You do feel a lot safer. You feel like you're kind of in a bubble. Like and you don't think that someone's going to actually confront you or cause any trouble because there is a sort of level of respect with like, oh, don't bother them. They're just yeah, they're having nice. a good night. Yeah. And, and nowadays, yeah. if you if you picked a fight with me and I was out with my wife, she would just murder. Like she's she's feisty. Violent. She's violent. Yeah. 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 You got yourself a killer over there. She's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's how I like it. It's like. It's like living with a great white shark. Oh my god, it's fantastic. You you should you know how uh, there's that whole trope of uh, the girlfriend getting her boyfriend into fights, picking picking fights together. You should do that with your wife. You should yeah. get her. You should pick fights and get her to beat up other chicks. Yeah, or dudes. She she's violent. Or dudes, just freaking side cross kick them in the face. Whatever she does, I don't know. Uh, we come to. The end of Jake's run. He is now old. So we got old fat De Niro. They went on a hiatus. De Niro put on a bunch of weight. Comes back to the movie. He's fat as heck. Looking very aged. And at 148. There's makeup on his nose too. He's got that. He's got that Mickey Rourke nose. Yeah. I think you get that from drinking too much. And and getting punched in the nose a lot. And getting punched in the nose. That'll do it. Um. But at minute forty one, sorry, hour, one hour forty eight minutes in, there is a scene where he's pouring these stacked up champagne glasses in a tower. Now, I've seen tons of photos of these from the seventies and eighties. I've never been around a champagne structure in my life. Have you seen or been a part of one of these before? Because I kind of want to. I want to. Um, I, I mean, you need to have, first of all, the glasses you use. So most people drink champagne out of a tall, thin flute. 
right? Yeah. Like it's like a very narrow flute. You couldn't do it with that. It, it, maybe no. you could. I don't know. It would be a very not you, not not the architecture. No. So the glasses they use is a different type of champagne glass. It's a Marie Antoinette glass, and so okay. the the Marie Antoinette glass is named after Marie Antoinette. And the theory was, you could f- she had very supple uh, boobies, and it it took oh. it took the shape of her her breast. So that's that Marie Antoinette champagne glass. And that's Interesting. The, that's the party glass, the one that, you know, the great Gatsby kind of, yeah. that's how they yeah. drank champagne. Champagne out of a flute is actually a weird concept because champagne, like anything else, is a wine. I drink my champagne out of a wine glass. I, I My wife has some flutes and on New Year's we'll do it up. But I find flutes are annoying to drink from with my, my nose. It, you know, yeah, all, I don't like them either. Yeah, yeah it doesn't. Just, it, yeah. There are great scenes in movies of like guys with big beaks trying to drink champagne. It's very yeah. fun. It's funny to watch. Um, Steve Martin in Roxanne. That's, those I right. think that's the one. Yeah. Or uh, Dr. Evil in drinking the Starbucks. It's one of my favorite. He dips it and he comes out and he's got the foam. He's like the, yeah. the it's the Belgian dip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that got me. Um, Have you ever done the thing where you intertwine your arms with the champagne and do that? No, no, no. I, you never I, done that. I, I no. I'm, I'm that might be that might be purely a manifestation of movies. Yeah, that might be what that is. It's it seems like a pain in the ass. Um, <laughs> but pain in the bum. But um, it's also it's 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 similar to in movies when the dude lights the lady's cigarette. It's something weirdly sexual about it. Like we're doing this because later on we might do something. We might be intertwined in another way, perhaps. No. It just feels like that champagne tower. You're going to be like spilling a lot and wasting a lot. I would and then say. how do you know when to stop? Right, like you're going to try and fill the bottom glasses, but these ones are still cascading. So like, yeah. are you when you're like kind of touch like? I feel like that would take a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. Maybe I would start with water and just see, and mm-hmm. then I would work my way up. Like start then with some Canadian sparkling wine, maybe some Prosecco. Then yeah. I would do it at the crowd pleaser with the good champagne. Okay. And also champagne is sticky. So it, you're going to pick up one of these glasses. You're going to get sticky fingers for sure. Yeah. It might be worth it for the spectacle. Because I am very in favor of spectacles and uh, pageantry when yeah. it comes to social events. I feel it gives it structure and uh, creates more of a, a memory, I guess. So I, I'm very much in favor of spectacle when it comes to social events. So it might be worth the sticky fingers just to see someone do it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, start maybe start with one stack and work your way up to the pyramid. Okay. I'll see what I can do about that. Um. That's actually all the food in Raging Bull. <laughs> Not much. Three instances of food in the movie or four. Yeah. And we managed and to- two, two of them had huge fights, actually. Yeah. Food so, and Two violence. of them had arguments. One of them had a beating. So it just goes to show you how prevalent the violence and, and the mentality of these people were that this, this occurred. I think as an overarching theme, though, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but- Food represents home, the home, right? Mm. You're eating at home. Mm. In all three instances, except for the champagne thing, um, they're eating at home. The It's a husband and wife. Give me the coffee or give me the Very steak. Very domestic, yep. Pesci's eating with his family. 
it represents so and this movie is all about a fighter in the ring versus a fighter in their daily life their home life and their home life it, it, it's it's funny the contrast between how violent their career is versus how violent their home life is and how the violence in their career look at how scorsese did it there's the blood splattering on the front like it's a super blood he's got it running down his legs um, all that. And then the violence at home is very like almost brutal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a cleaner violence. It's a, it's a more like he, when he, he smacks his wife, either of the two, he's like, it's a, he, he barely, he close fists the one, his second wife once. And that yep. was brutal to watch. Yep. The fighting in the ring is almost like theatrical. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think, yeah, you're right. There's certain people, Jake LaMotta, apparently one of them, where if they weren't a boxer, and you can see this with football players too, you know, if they weren't in the NFL, they couldn't do nothing else. There's nothing yeah. else they could do. This basically. is their- It's like, you can only be a boxer, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it comes from the wildness in their personal life. Yeah. Their, 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 their psychology is so used to the stress of of where they come from from the streets that being in the ring is actually normal to them they feel fine you know they can actually get in there and be relaxed and think straight whereas other people would just be going haywire because their their home life is so normal and 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 un just just their home life is safe basically right and there is kind of a psychology tyson had it where certain fighters actually create chaos in their personal life John Jones has it. Tyson had it. Roberto Duran had it. A lot of fighters, for some reason, seem to subconsciously create um, uh, chaos in their personal life. But in the ring, they're they're just they're so calm, and I think that might be connected somehow. Yeah, maybe. Maybe they just feel comfortable in chaos. Maybe they feel comfortable in chaos because a yeah. fight is chaos, right? It's 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 yeah. a, it's an athletic endeavor, like mm-hmm. any other sport. And there are ways to, like, everyone who, like I said, there are different styles all around the world, but you know the, there's a jab, there's a straight, there's a hook, there's an uppercut. Like, there's, they've honed it to such a science that, you you know, there's a slip, there's a slip, there's a, a dip back, there's this guard, there's the Philly guard, there, you, you know what I mean? There are different guards. Yep, yep. And so you know what to expect, but then also in a fight, you don't know what to expect. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a fight. Um, yeah. Th- there is something about it. I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what. Um, well, also, when you're in a fight at that level, I've only been in small kind of sparring matches in a gym setting, very controlled, very sort of like 1% of 1% of what a championship fighter would experience. Right. And even in the small taste that I've gotten, it really is an, a very strange, highly heightened psychological experience where everything disappears. You're just focusing on this one person. And if you get beaten up, if you, if you actually take a beating in a sparring match, it does psychologically mess yeah. with you for a long time. It does. Oh. So, and at the same time, when you're, when you're really good at it and you're doing well at it, other things in life seem boring. Right. You know? Yeah. So maybe they're, they're, the, the heightened psychology of being a prize fighter 
Then you go back to your regular life and you're like, this is just so boring, man. Maybe just, maybe just cultivate some kind of conflict to just stir things up. Yeah. I don't know. And as, I mean, you see, there's a lot of domestic issues. And then also your brain is taking a, just a savage beating. Yeah, right? this and that, guy in particular, Jake Lamotta. Yeah, Jake Lamotta took a beating because he yeah. was—he looked, he was a chin guy. Like he had a good chin. Yeah, you know, and and that's what it is. Another great, another great fighting movie uh, that comes to mind that kind of has a lot of elements to this. Like, is the the one with Wahlberg with Christian Bale was he's the fighter? It's about yeah, it's about Mickey Ward. And have yeah. you ever seen the Ward Gaddy fights? Though yeah, that, legendary that series fights, yeah. of fights is insane. And that movie is about Mickey Ward, who arguably wasn't the best. The Gaddy was the better technical boxer, but Ward just was, he could take a beating. Yeah. And it was a weird style matchup. Like he, Gaddy was supposed to just run right through this guy and Ward actually ended up beating him and he made a name for himself, kind of saved him from being just tomato can for the yeah. rest of his life. Yeah, yeah. So. so interesting. But I think what Scorsese accomplished here is to say that and we've we've danced around this basically the life of a fighter outside of the ring is just fraught with you know he he's you look at him in the ring he's always even if he's throwing the match or he's losing he seems in control he is mm-hmm. never in control outside of the ring he can't no, control his emotions he can't control anything right it's right. it's a yeah. fascinating it's a very fascinating character piece i think yeah, it really is. Uh, I, I think there should be more fight films. And, you know, maybe one day I'll direct one myself. We'll yeah. see out there. If if some of you will tell your friends about this podcast, God damn it. So yeah, guys. Get some money. Jesus. Let's go. Let's get some. We're not doing this for here. free. We want that sponsorship money. I know. Yeah, there's a ton of such. There's so many great stories uh, in boxing. There's There's a great story about, I believe it was actually Sugar Ray Robinson. It was either him or Joe Lewis. I'm not sure. I always get those two guys mixed up. But uh, he had a dream one. He was he was scheduled to fight a guy on like Saturday. He had a dream on I guess Monday, and in the dream he killed the guy in the ring. He he beat him up and he died in the ring. And so he called his promoter and everybody else. He's like, mm-hmm. the fight's off. I'm not doing this. Yeah. They had to bring a priest and a rabbi and a minister. Everybody. They had to bring all these guys to him and say, "Listen, it's just a dream. That's not going to happen, bro." So he goes in there, fights the guy, kills him in the ring. Can you believe that? Like he really, he really predicted it in his dream. Could you imagine? Like, oh, the guilt must be incredible. That's insane because you're going. This is a sporting event, mm-hmm. and 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 so like it's not like Rocky Four when like Dolph's like if he dies, he dies. Like oh no no, no, no. this you're, yeah. you're going in for sport. You're not trying to kill the guy, but you are yeah. trying to kill the guy. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's so crazy about it. It's just there's so much psychological energy around boxing in all facets. And in another instance where a guy died, uh, Boom Boom Mancini famously uh, killed uh, Dooku Kim in a right. boxing match in the 80s. And then Dooku King's, Kim's mother committed suicide a month later. Mm-hmm. And then the referee committed suicide a year later you imagine yeah like you're yeah. as a ref you're involved in that you should have called it right yeah I've, I've heard of that happening though i've heard of people who are in the presence of some kind of violent act where someone dies and it scars them so much that they ended up actually killing themselves too there's a weird thing where it becomes contagious psychologically i'm not sure why it's just a weird thing 
It would have been better. He's filled with those characters. Your story would have been better if his mother came and avenged. Like that would have been good. That's a that's a great story. Yeah, that would have been. She killed him. She trained up an eighty-five-year-old woman. Trained up and beat him. Beat a professional boxer in the ring and killed him. Ah, that would have been incredible. That would have been great. I wish there was more Indian boxers out there. I don't know of any of them. Um, yeah, no, I know. I don't know many, but nah, no, I don't know any. I think it's a real missed opportunity because there are a lot of poor people in India. And if someone just started a boxing program in India, there would be some hungry dudes in there every day, I'm pretty sure, if they thought they could make a million dollars as boxers. So yeah, someone's got to get on that. I, I will fly over there and set it up. Okay. Um, so that was all the food in Raging Bull. Shall we do awards? Yeah. Let's do awards. <laughs> Not much going on in this one. Uh, best uh, best food scene, best use of food in your in your opinion? I'm trying to think of the one you're not going to take. Um, it's the steak. Sorry, dude. Steak scene? I'm going coffee scene. You're going coffee scene. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Honey, coffee. Yeah, yeah. Honey, please, coffee. This, this, oh, I got to wait. That's, that's the scene. The steak scene sets up the domestic life. Yeah. Very, very well. And even when he switches wives, um, it's just a good, it's, it, it, it's, it was a catalyst for his home life. And yeah. And, yeah. and the coffee? And the coffee, that's mine. Yeah. So, so I, I just like that. It was just so funny that he was so impatient about it. <laughs> and also, I love it in movies where a character is talking to someone and they get distracted by someone else over nothing. I just love those types of scenes. Yeah. I'm trying to think of where that happened. Uh, it was, no, it was a Saturday Night Live sketch. You remember, was it the Saturday Night Live sketch or Mad TV when they spoofed The Sopranos and they did it where it was like they bleeped out, they cut out the swearing because it was on the Pax Network, like the Christian Network. Oh, yeah. I remember. And, and it was like, it was, yeah, it was yeah, a five-minute yeah. episode. And, the, and uh, yeah, it was Mad TV. And Will Sass was playing Tony Soprano. And there's one scene where he's yelling. And then he goes off, to, off camera. And he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I funny just get, Having an interaction off, like, just you're in the focus here. And then you just go, nah, is funny to me. Always. Yeah. Yeah. A, f- a f- hilarious one was in the social network when the Winklevoss twins go to the Harvard president. Yeah. And they're like, sir, this and this happened. And the guy's looking, listening, listening. And he's, he's like, hold on for a second. Grace, punch me in the face. Sorry, continue. You know? <laughs> he's just like. <laughs> There's one, a subtle one in old school when Will Farrell is working on his car and uh, his, his wife, his new wife comes out and he's talking to him. And he says something about the car, and then he just turns to somebody arbitrarily off camera and goes, Oh, hey, Mike! And then goes back to it. It kills me every time. It's so funny. It's so funny. Weird, weird shtick in movies that I love. Yeah, I love it when dudes just get interrupted by something. and oh, uh, Something funny about it. But um, character that you would most like to have dinner with? Yeah, I'm going to try and... Like a boxer, I'm I'm weaving to try and figure out what where you're going to catch me on this one next. Uh, it's got to be for me. It's got to be Pesci. Pesci, Pesci's Pesci would be a good one because he would talk a lot. He would tell you a lot of things. And I yeah. want to understand Lamada, but from the person who knows him best. 
Mm-hmm. And not from him because he doesn't feel he doesn't seem to know himself. Okay. That's true. That's true. He is unaware of himself. Very unself conscious, I guess. Yeah. Or else unself conscious, unself aware. Unself aware. Yeah. Also unself conscious. Also and so, also unconscious. That's right. Yeah, he points. gets unconscious. <laughs> uh I'm gonna throw a curveball for my pick. I gotta have dinner with Sugar Ray Robinson. That dude's got some stories, man. I want to know all all that dude's stories. So yeah, there's yeah, that, Sugar, Ray Sugar is a big nickname within the boxing. There's Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar is, you know, I. Maybe I, I think Sugar Ray Robinson started it. I think yeah, he I think he was the first Sugar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sugar Rashad Evans in the UFC. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna just start calling myself Sugar Gross. I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> that one's real clunky, real clunky. Dude. There was a guy before your time at Anderson. There was a guy at, who whose last name was Sugar. And Nat, really, for and, real. And Nasser and I would be like Sugar. <laughs> well, explain the nicknames you had for people because there was a lot. There was um, no. Go go ahead and explain. There was there was Sugar. What else was there? Sugar there was, was his last uh, name. Yeah. Uh, my partner. There was Remington. Yeah, Remington, because his last name was Steele. Yeah. So Remington Steele. You had downtown. Uh, downtown Brown. Brown. Yeah, yeah, that rhymed. And that stuck with her. Uh, oh, really? Okay. My partner, who wasn't Nass, the one who I, I'm not going to name names. Yeah. She, we called her Pitbull. Yep. I see but that, that I didn't sure. give her that nickname. That nickname was from prior to me. Um, Anthony is Conda, Anthaconda. Uh, oh, was that you? Did, did, yeah, did you give that, that to him? That was him and okay. I, yeah. All right. uh, Monica was uh, Monster. Monster, Mon, Mon. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, there were did a, I have one? Did you give me one? No, you are Paul. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Nasser called Mark, the boxer, called him Cherub. Yes, he yeah. did. Yeah, Nasser's oh, did he Na- call him Cherub? Yeah, Nasser's yeah. nicknames never stuck, but they were always kind of just off-putting. Like they made <laughs> you feel uncomfortable, <laughs> which is like his—that's his shtick. It was very good. I thought it was funny. Well, he said that he kept a list of his favorite Pauls, and I would every time he told me he updated it, I would fall farther down yeah. on the list. You're not yeah. Yeah. Nasser is a very good trash talker. Yeah, phenomenal trash talker. We had some good trash talk sessions, me and him. Yeah. Oof, yeah. Some good ones. Yeah, there's um, there are some other nicknames I just I don't recall. But Okay. Do you have any nicknames for Tony? Miller? No. Yeah, no. Okay. All right, that's it. That's it. All right. Oh, actually Ray, are we oh what are you where are you going? Oh, I was just gonna explain. Like I I I've been in different places and i've always gotten different nicknames at different places so i have i have a bunch of nicknames that have been called in my life me uh, too oh i'll list mine then you can list yours yeah you go you go first <clears throat> so in high school everyone calls you by your last name so everyone called me dylan to the point where people thought that was my name and then when i went to when i went when i made friends with some guys from hamilton and they called me P. Diddy to this day. They still call me P. Because of Dylan, P. P. D. P. Paul Dylan, yeah. P. Diddy. Yeah, that's P. a good. Diddy. That's a good one. Yeah, so I had P. Diddy for a while. 
And um, then when I went to grip, the the Jersey Shore was in full swing, so they called me Pauly D. Right. That's good. Grip. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think that's all my nicknames to this point. Okay. I think I might have another one. I'm not sure. Anyway, what do you got for nicknames? When I was young, a little kid, and I went to summer camp, they called me Grandma. Oh, why? Uh, there's a Ghostbusters character, Grandma Gross. My last name is Gross, so Grandma. That makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. it's a good yeah. name. Actually, a good nickname. Uh, that's nice. That's stuck for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in high school, a bunch of people called me Hillary. Uh, which I thought was why I thought it was one guy in my lock. I went to an all boys school, and so um, the the bullying was like just you, you, it was like kill or be killed in that environment. So you yeah. had to be witty. But one guy just out of nowhere was like, "You look like Hillary Swank," and I was like, "I guess I do." And then they just called me Hillary, which I thought was very funny. I didn't care. Um, oh, you can't let them know it bothers. No, you. I thought gonna, yeah, I yeah. thought it was funny anyway. Um, and then my friends always called me like Bear, because Jer Bear. Jer Bear. And I my like that. my yeah, wife like my wife calls me Bear. Um, so Aww, ba- so cute. Yeah, Bear has been a nickname of mine for a long time. Um, <laughs> when I lived in Asia, I was called Uncle Jeremy. <laughs> Oh, Mark Maristella called me Uncle Paul. Yeah, actually. I don't know. I, I, I don't know I why, but I just got called Uncle a lot, mm-hmm. which is so mm-hmm. stupid, but it's, it's funny. The the other Filipinos called me Kuya Paul. Kuya. Uh, Henry yeah. Calion called me Kuya That's Paul. That's like a term Kuya of in, it's like a term of endearment. Yeah. Kuya. Yeah, so yeah. I got Kuya Paul, I got Uncle Paul. Mark once called me Uncle Paul in a meeting. <laughs> At an actual meeting he called me Uncle Paul. But my wife and I on our honeymoon, we went to Taiwan and we'd go to bars or wherever. People who still knew me were like, Uncle Jeremy. And she'd be like, that is not going to be a thing. Oh, no. <laughs> that's I think not, it's a term of endearment. I think they, they like you. I don't. I just think it was creepy. It just came okay. off as very, very creepy. Oh, that sucks. But it was well, those funny. Are, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. 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 Um, you know, uncles are nice. Uncles are... I mean, I guess they could be creepy, but it depends I, on the context. I, I think that's where it was the que- creepy uncle. There's a, in Mandarin, it's guai susu, guai susu, which is cr- creepy, dirty uncle. I like that, man. You pronounce that very nicely. I like that. Probably not. There's in the comments. Tell me how. Yeah. All our all our Mandarin listeners. Yeah. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Raging Bulger? Should we rate it? Movie. Oh, movie? we should. Yeah. yeah, we should. We should. Uh, food movie. What do you got? Food. I mean, it's not much in here, so I gotta go. I, I gotta go one Chinese food container. Yeah, <laughs> one <out of> five. <laughs> one fake Chinese food container. One fake fake news <laughs> Chinese food container out of five. And as a movie, movie, I'm afraid I gotta go five out of five. Um, burnt steaks. Burnt. Just burnt to a crisp. Mm-hmm. Domestic mm-hmm. violence stakes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So me as a food movie, I'm gonna go. That's a two. I, I mm-hmm. feel like they, there was just enough food to keep me going on the food, but mm. it, it didn't carry the story that much. The only reason I bumped it to a two was because it did talk 
there was a theme around it, at least a gentle theme around. Well, not a gentle theme, but a, a slight theme around it. Um, so yeah, that's a two. And as a movie, movie, yeah, that's a four. Uh, four? You're not going five? Nah, it's not a hard five for me, no, no. I, I, wow. I, I I I hold Scorsese to a different standard. So you, uh, well, uh, this is not as good as Goodfellas. This is not as good as not as good as for me. It wasn't as enjoyable as Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, uh, and a couple other Scorsese movies. But no, Taxi Driver and Goodfellas. I like those more than I like this. Uh, but I do like this. Like four is a good score, and I can't give okay. I can't give midpoints like four point five. So it's nope, either four or it's either five, and I'm, yeah. I'm just. I round down in this case. Okay. I, I think this is Scorsese's best work, Frank. You think just, it is? I really do. Just technically masterful. Everything about it was incredible. Yeah, I think this is his best stuff. Um, there's other fives too, but I think this is the best out of the fives. So okay. that's just what I think. Hey, that's why we're allowed to differ in opinion. That's right. This is not the internet where you get flamed for having a different of, of opinion. This is a podcast. We're civilized. We're gentlemen, for God's sakes. Look at us. Yeah. I'm an uncle. Final thoughts, Chair? Final thoughts on uh, Raging Bull? Final thoughts. Great film. Enjoyable. Love to get back into it. Hadn't watched it in years and, and really appreciated it more as a movie now than as mm-hmm. like a guy getting beaten up, um, which to me when I was 10 was what it was to me. All right. I'm going to ask you this. Is there anyone, if you could, this is a fight club question, actually. If there's anyone you could fight in a boxing match, who would you fight? John Cusack. Really? Okay. Always John Cusack. You hate John Cusack and Joan Cusack. John, both Cusack. Tag team match. Maybe you and me versus them. Sure. I mean, I, I I, I don't want to be the one that punches John Cusack. Uh, but you know, I'll let my wife handle that. How about you? You said you don't want to punch John Cusack. Joan Cusack. Cusack. Okay. All right. You let your wife take. Okay. So it'll be a mixed tag team match between you and your wife and Joan Cusack. How about you? Uh, me. Whew. That's a tough one. Um. There's a lot of people out there who deserve beating. Honestly, there's a lot of people out there who deserve a lot of people talking crap beyond the Cusack. Beyond the Cusacks, I think I might have to. You know what? I'm going to punch. I'm going to you know, piece up a little bit. Justin Timberlake. JT. JT. I never liked the way he left Janet Jackson to take all the blame for that Nipplegate crap. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Her career got ruined. He was like, it, was, it wasn't planned. It was a malfunction. But before that, he was like, hey, man, we're just trying to give you something to watch and be controversial, bro. And then he got to backed off it and, let, and just pushed Janet Jackson out there to take all of the, the crap. I, it never sit well with me. It never sat well with me. So yeah. I, need, I need to teach this kid a lesson. Yeah, I agree. He deserves to catch a beating for that. He does. His face is a little too pretty, too. Yeah, he needs to be muddied up a bit. Fair enough. Yeah, that's it for me. Fair enough. Anyway, all right. That's the uh, I forget what number we're on. Possibly sixteen or seventeen. Yeah, I'm we're not up, sure, we're getting up there. We're getting up there. Yeah, yeah. So that is the food and movies podcast for Raging Bull. Uh, not too much food, but we will see you next time when we don't know what the next movie is, but it's going to be eventful. It's going to be amazing. 
Thanks for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Talk to you later.